In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Non vos relinguo orfanos. I will not leave you as orphans. Mother's Day is a very difficult day. Um, Being a mother is very difficult. It's something that sons um, probably won't ever fully understand. I hope daughters eventually do. Motherhood is this glorious, glorious vocation whereby you are the way that God brings life into the world. You are the tabernacle in which God knits together the soul created out of nothing and the body taken from you and the earth for that human person who will live for all eternity, whose vocation is to praise God with the angels and the saints forever. And that attachment that is the necessary condition for the beginning of life then is challenged bit by bit. The first day of school, the first overnight, the first summer camp, graduation, wedding. For those of us who are growing up, these are fantastic moments. The milestones. For mom, it's her letting go step by step. Ultimately, lifting up and giving this life to the Lord. Sacramentally, it begins in baptism. And then either in holy matrimony or in holy orders, this person really has to belong to somebody else. It's very difficult. In fact, the wise mother knows that this must happen and, and prays that it, will, that it will happen well rather than that it not happen. In a family of four boys, um, it was easy for us to think that we were everything mom needed. And we did everything and learned, that, learned everything that mom had to teach us. We, well, I, we, well, some of us learned how to knit. We all learned how to sew. But none of us appreciated the vacuum that was in mom's life until our oldest brother was engaged. And then we realized something had been missing in mom's life, and we didn't realize it. But how difficult is that moment? Because for every mother of sons, 
that woman whom his son will marry is at first not much more than the other woman. The woman who will, who will steal my son's heart. The woman who will take my son away. In our family, we've already been praying for the eldest of the four for many reasons. And then, having been away, far away from home for college and even further away on the West Coast for grad school, fearing that we had lost him, how, how grateful was our mother when that son fell in love with a devout Catholic who was from 15 minutes away from home in Rockville, Maryland. The good mother knows that her son must love his new bride more than he loves his own mother. He has to continue to love and respect mom, of course. If he's growing in virtue, he's, he has charity for everyone. He has a special place for mom. But his, his life has to revolve around his bride. He will give that life which belongs to God as a gift to his, to his wife. When we look at the cross so often, hopefully, whether it be with our eyes or uh, interiorly, we see our Lord and his blessed Virgin Mother and St. John, the Apostle. We know all too well from our own Lectio Divina, from our rosaries, those words that entrusted him to her. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. When we, when we avail ourselves of sacred scripture, we'll notice in St. Matthew's Gospel and St. Mark's Gospel, an account of women who were there, but at some distance. In Matthew 27, he mentions Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, mentions... Similarly, Mary Magdalene. Mary, the mother of James the Less and Joseph, and Salome. From St. Matthew's Gospel, we learn, and need then to add this to our meditation, to our rosary, to our Stations of the Cross, that when our Lord said, Behold your son, behold your mother, St. John's mom his natural mother was there, nearby, quite possibly with an earshot. 
from St. Mark's Gospel, we're certain enough that we know her name, Salome. Both Matthew and Mark go through Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee, and, or in St. Mark's Gospel, Salome. This is the mother of a pair of sons for whom she had great aspirations. Her husband already was prominent enough. He's mentioned in the gospel several times. And not only is Zebedee mentioned, Zebedee's employees are mentioned, Zebedee's several boats are mentioned in the gospels. Now, interestingly enough, the only time that he actually is described as a figure in the narration of the Gospels, as opposed to a reference, is when he's described being there when his sons leave him. Later on, his wife will approach our Lord begging, insisting that her sons be at our Lord's right and left. That in his kingdom, her sons will be the second and third most important. We need not worry too much that she has envy and vanity at the foot of the cross. This is one of the souls that loved our Lord so heroically that she suffered his death with him. And in, in this holy anguish filled with love and virtue, Salome experiences just a fraction of what the Blessed Virgin Mary is enduring with her son. Her son is dying. And yet she's filled with faith and hope and charity. Salome is losing her son, but to her own queen. Good mothers know that their own happiness the happiness of their son's family, the happiness of their entire family depends on this son embracing this new priority and on a spiritual level, every Christian mother knows that her children need to love the Blessed Virgin Mary more than any other human being, period. Now, that's where the abbreviated homily would, would, would wrap up. Here's another further thought, because we're in these days between Ascension and Pentecost. Hopefully you're praying a novena, or will resume, or begin a novena, leading up to Pentecost. I encourage you to pray 
as the apostles and the Blessed Virgin Mary were praying. Reread the Gospels, especially the end of the Gospels, and especially the beginning of Acts of the Apostles. And keep in mind only what our Lord said would happen, what our Lord promised. He would send the advocate. He would send the paraclete. They would be clothed with power from on high. They'd been told to go make disciples of all nations, but they'd also been told to wait in Jerusalem. They were told enough for them to pray fervently and to wait obediently and to respond immediately as soon as the Holy Spirit came down upon them. But they weren't told very much. It's not as though they had an image of what Pentecost would be like and how everything else would ensue from there. Rather, their prayer was of of complete abandonment to God, complete availability to His will, complete love and obedience, not knowing what would happen. We already have images of Pentecost in our minds. When we pray to receive the Holy Spirit, we probably already have something very specific that we think is going to happen when we receive the Holy Spirit. More than likely, whether it be on a material level or a spiritual level, it simply translates into success. We expect success if we receive the Holy Spirit. We expect our prayer intentions to be fruitful. We expect the sick to be cured. We expect the the dying to be rescued. We expect our endeavors to be profitable. We expect bad people to hate us and good people to love us. We already have a very specific, or if you don't think it's very specific, we probably already have an overly specific notion of what is about to come. Instead of praying to belong to God and to respond to the Holy Spirit, How many marriages have a bad beginning because they already have a very specific idea of what married life is going to be like? Instead of knowing, I'm giving my life to my spouse. I'm not even sure what it's going to be like to share a closet. I don't know what it's going to be like to not be alone in bed. All I know is I'm giving up my life to the person I love. How many times does motherhood begin with unmet expectations? We have this image and this expectation of one, but it turns out to be two or three, of a healthy baby, but there turns out to be an anomaly, or an obedient baby, and then they get someone like us. We put ourselves in, in, into God's hands. And, and we know that our vocation won't take the turns that, that we expect. We can anticipate the things that are likely. We can anticipate roadblocks and obstacles and challenges and be, and be ready for them. We can anticipate joys that are, that are 
um, proper to this life, whether it be a, a seminarian in, in studies or a religious in the monastery or a priest or a sister living out their vocation. There, there are things to expect, good and bad. But we can never have our heart set on, on something overly specific. So that then gives us even more regard for those really, really great heroic moms who, who, who love the really, really great heroic grandmothers who are still raising children. The really great moms who respond to the crisis and the emergency and the unexpected with, with confidence in God and faith and hope and love for us and patience, the proper correction when it's the time and place for it. Moms not only teach us how, um, how women become brides and mothers, moms, moms teach us how to be disciples and even apostles and martyrs and confessors. So we ask Blessed Virgin Mary to be with us and in particular to, to, to send down grace to all of our moms, those here present and those wherever they may be. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions. Spend thy mercy, hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.